0: Hey everyone. We've got a new pitch website, pitchpodcast.fm. Comment on your favorite episodes, get all the latest news and discuss the podcast with us. Pitchpodcast.fm. If you become a subscriber, you'll be able to access real pitches and ad-free episodes. Watch member-only live streams starring us, your hosts, and ask questions we'll answer in future pitch episodes. Join us at pitchpodcast.fm and help us bring you more great content. You can find and subscribe to the premium episodes of this podcast at pitch.supportingcast.fm.
1: This week's premium episode features Liana Ashton's feature script, The Nightingale Inn, and A. Noel Jackson's feature script, Rainfall. Make sure to check that out. Hi and welcome to another episode of Pitch, connecting storytellers with the world. Today we have a very special guest with us, uh, Stephen Horniak, and I'm going to read this very impressive bio that he gave to me. So Stephen has worked in the movie business for over 25 years as an actor, writer, and producer. Um, On television, Steve has guest starred on many shows including One of our favorites that we talked about, The X-Files.
0: Yes, The X-Files.
1: Southland, Scandal, uh, Boston Legal, The Shield, and The Practice. Uh, Recently produced movies include Twisted Twin and Deadly Reunion for Lifetime Television, as well as a Hallmark movie entitled Five Star Christmas, as well as the horror thriller film It Crawls Beneath, which I saw, which we saw. Oh, yeah. So... Steve has worked in movie and television research for over 10 years and has moderated focus groups on over 400 films, including Deadpool 1 and 2, Red Sparrow, Assassination Nation, Sicario, Soldado, Underwater, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, just to name a few.
0: Just to
2: name a few. Wow, I don't think you're wow. going to read that whole thing. I thought you were going to kind of improv it, but... Oh, no, I... Yeah, Leah goes I've, hard on in the intro. I want to be <laughs> thorough. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, man. Really oh, no worries. I'm you. happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: we we know each other recently, but the two of you know each other. We
0: go
2: way
1: back. Way back. We do.
2: Yeah. We, go- we haven't seen each other in years, really, until yeah. the last year or so. But we were in a play together at yeah. a, at a uh, acting studio. 20 years point. ago now. 20, it, 20, 21 years 20 ago. years ago. It's 21 years ago. can't
1: believe you
0: admitted oh, that. Which is weird to say. <laughs>
2: It was, Angel was terrific in this. It was oh, a version of kind, uh, kind. Noises Off. Noises Off, yeah. You played the direct, the sexy director. You played Selsden. I played the old man, Selsden. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious, yeah. yeah a yeah.
0: hilarious Selzden, yes. Right. I didn't remember his name.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, wow. Did I send
0: you the picture? I, I found a picture no. on, an old, on a 22-year-old laptop I found of us posing. I'll, I'll pull it up before you leave. That's awesome. It's great. I'd like to see that. Yeah. That's so, awesome. yeah, we know each other from back in the day. Right. Yeah. And then, how did you two?
2: How did Leah and and Steve? How did you two meet? You told me you got in touch with me somehow.
1: Yeah, we connected through uh, mutual friends who worked on a movie of yours, and they were like, "You need to meet Steven. He's such a good guy." Who was that? April and Alyssa.
2: April, April. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And I was like, I want to meet good people in the industry. April Campion, right? Yes, please. Yeah.
2: Shout out to April Campion. Shout out.
1: Shout out. (laughs) Moving to New York soon.
2: It's a, it's a small world. It yeah. really is. I mean, come... But I wouldn't want to paint it. You wouldn't want To paint it. You wouldn't want to paint it. That's an old Stephen Wright joke. You know that is joke? Is it? No. Small world, but I wouldn't want to paint it. That's good. Because it's so dense. <laughs> know, it's so it's complex. a funny, weird joke. <laughs> i got to look it up. So
0: what do we have today? Because you've got a special... Not only are you a man of many talents and expertise, you. you've got nice. a very unique... Um, set of experiences yeah. for from where I'm coming from and where I think Lee is coming from as well, and maybe a lot of our audience members, and, and that is.
1: Well, I was just going to say a lot of people wouldn't even think think of this as part of of filmmaking, which they
0: should. But this is a huge part of filmmaking. Yes, and that part of filmmaking is audience testing, right? Feedback, right? From test audiences on almost finished products, almost mm-hmm. finished films, right? right?
2: Correct.
1: Ask my question. Yeah, do you have a question? <laughs> I do. I have so many questions. <laughs> okay. Um. Well, for the audience that doesn't know what that is, what is it?
2: Well, movie research is something that happened. I think really became prominent in the '70s. Actually, the first person to really want a movie tested in a statistical way was um, Francis Ford Coppola on um, Apocalypse Now.
1: Oh wow! Oh, wow!
2: And because it was such a be a month of a movie, he really wanted to know if it worked and tracked and what it yep. was like. So and he started it again. But it was. It's been Hollywood... Apparently, all these testing companies and all these statistical analysis companies have been trying to get into Hollywood for years before that. But he was the guy who kind of broke it wide open. Meanwhile, you know, this is a tradition that goes back to Greek theater, right? So it's like testing something before you show it to the audience. So taking a a play to Boston or New Hope, Pennsylvania before you take it to New York and timing the jokes and rewriting and doing all that stuff that you do. uh, It seems to be less... um, especially for young filmmakers, it seems to be less palatable for them hmm. um, to do it. And I think people, you know, they go to film school, they consider themselves auteurs, and they, you know, everybody thinks they're Steve Jobs. You don't know what you need until I give it to you. Hmm. Right? That was Steve Jobs' thing. He, like, he didn't believe in any kind of research because he said the audience doesn't even know mm-hmm. what we can do, so we're going to give them stuff they can't, can't even dream about. And so I think that people get into that. Um, when they go to film school, in fact, I've had a lot of, uh, I, because I was kind of, I have some colleagues that were much more experienced than I was, and I was the low guy in the totem pole for a while. I would do the small movies, the ones that were made by independents, or the ones that were picked up by a studio, and then were tested. So you'd have a young filmmaker who made a film, raised money from his parents, his grandparents, whatever it might have been, and got lucky enough to be with the studio, right? And then get into this testing process and be in total shock and really snarky about it. Shock
0: that they were even being asked to test
2: or Mm -hmm. what actually takes place during the testing process? I think what takes place during the testing process. And so what happens is we've got an audience of 300 people. We go around and select 20 people to do the focus group afterwards. We sit down with them. I talk to them for 20 minutes to 40 minutes. Uh, And it's 20 people, but it's it's a good random sample of the 300 people that have seen the movie, right? But the big thing from Young Frameworks is, why do I let 20 people decide what? Well, because it's statistically, it's proven that these 20 people represent this audience and then this 300 person audience represents the greater audience in America, blah, blah, blah. So um, what's the question?
1: Well, I wanna, I wanna pick up just a little bit. Um, is, it ran- is it random, the people that you pick? Are you like targeting certain um, ethnic groups or ages or genders?
2: it depends on the movie okay right so um you know sometimes we'll have a the matt damon movie where he was the great wall mm-hmm. you know for that focus group we wanted some chinese people in there more than we would normally have and we try to break something down into you know the population has so many percentages whites so many percent huge sure. percent of latinos now blacks uh hispanics uh, i said latinos and um And so we try to make that, the whole audience is shaped that way. Mm -hmm. So that we're looking at really the American audience when we do a test. And then the 20 people represent that as well. So yes, there'll be different ethnicities, there'll be different, um, and again, depending on the film. Like if it's a horror movie, um, Hispanics tend to like horror movies more than the regular population, and blacks do as well. And so, those focus groups are a little heavy in those areas because mm. they're the ones who're really going to pay for the ticket.
0: This is so fascinating to me. Just yeah. to think that one this process is is so robust. And, and and is it does is does everything test? Does everything at a studio level test and network level test?
2: Is that like um yeah, network level certainly. We do TV testing as well. Huh. But I was mostly spent t- my time in the film division. And yeah, and nearly everything, especially what happens is so you have a movie, right? And this young filmmaker has made this movie, and really the big thing we're looking at is market research. Like, how do we, how do they put this movie out into the world, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're asking questions like, we get an audience, They're a section of the audience that's gonna, we know is gonna like this movie. So if we make a, if we make a audience test on a, um, a horror movie, we don't people, we put people in the audience. That would never go see a horror movie. <laughs> that would be me. I wouldn't be in that 20
0: person yeah. pool right there.
2: Right. Or even the whole audience at large. You don't want those people in there because they're and it's really the only genre that people out and out reject. And they would skew what could otherwise be helpful feedback. That's right. That's right. So mm. you basically get a score, and the scores are like like your grade scores in school, you know, a sixties a D and a seventies a C and a okay. uh, be you know eighties a B and then nineties an A but then you know uh, we had one movie and I'm, I hope I can say this I'm not really at liberty to talk about movies but this is over now and so Green Book yeah scored a one hundred it had a perfect score no how way. often does that happen everyone not often. Yeah, My boss has been doing this for 30 years. It only happened one other time. I forget what the movie was. Um, I would like to know. But um, And so they knew they had something there. So what happens is now you have that 100-point score. You know the audience is going to like it. And you know that the demography of the audience is made up in a certain way that you're going to target those people in advertising. So let's say those people tended to be kind of upscale NPR listeners. That's where you do your, your advertising as opposed to, the Daily News or the New York Times or whatever it might be. I'm. You can tell I'm a little older because nobody, <laughs> <laughs> one of the big questions we ask on our folks' crew is, how do you get your movie um, knowledge? Like, how do you look up where movies are? And it's always the internet. Yeah. It's never a newspaper anymore. And yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you guys know that already, of course. But what a
0: fascinating thing to say, oh, we, we not only do we affect the shape of stories and potential reshoots, right? That's correct. We also then shape, via this process, how it's marketed and who it's marketed to. That's right. That's fascinating. Yeah. And this is, like you said, there's a lot of younger, maybe uh, earlier on in their career, filmmakers who don't necessarily appreciate the value (laughs) of this testing. But if you want your film to be seen by an audience as broad as possible, or as specific as possible, this seems like it would be an invaluable... Part to add right, to. and these young
2: filmmakers sometimes I'll say to them, "Well, what are you doing this for?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll say, "Well, I'm, because you know I make movies." No, wait, who are you doing this for? Mm-hmm. Well, we're doing it for an audience, right? So they have to be satisfied in some way. But I don't want to cow-tow. You're not cow-towing. We've got this demographics all straightened out for this movie. We know these are the people that are poised to like it. Mm-hmm. Now you got to give them the satisfactory ending or the satisfactory beginning, and um, so that's basically it. That's basically, and then also I want to say this because I know there's a lot of young filmmakers out there. Embrace this process. And the good ones, I've seen world-class filmmakers come in and fail. And they know they're gonna fail. They put it in front of the audience and say, let's see what happens, right? And they have suspicions about the ending doesn't quite work and the middle is kind of weird. And, and you know, they just, um, they get it. The older filmmakers get it, they've been doing it for a long time and they, they welcome the advice. Danny Boyle as a matter of fact is one of the guys who just loves the testing process. He also makes great movies, so kind of first time out he has he gets good scores, but he wants to keep improving and and you know, tweaking and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. This is fascinating to me because when I went into my board for my thesis for my MFA in poetry, that is a question that they ask you, who is your audience? Because it yeah. matters because you're writing a book, who is the book going to be for? Right. Um, I'm reminded of a story, and I don't know if you're allowed to say the movie or not, so we can edit the movie out. Okay. Um, but Get Out had an interesting story to it.
2: Yeah, actually, I can tell that story because um, Jason Blum, the producer of that, tells this story publicly oh, as great. well. So Yeah, so what happened was on that movie was, um, I, I'm going to assume most of the audience has seen it. Let's hope. Spoilers. Sp- yeah, spoilers spoilers yeah. alert if you yeah. haven't seen Get Out um, from, what, 2000, like.
0: 19, 2018, mm-hmm. 2017? Oh, it's,
2: God. Before that, I think. It's, it's at least several years members. old. It's spoilers alert. It's on you if we spoil it for you. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what happened was the ending of that, uh, the movie was very satisfactory to the, to the audience. But in the focus group, the movie scored quite low. And in the focus group, our, it was my boss, Kevin, Kevin Getz, um, was doing that focus group, and he needed to find out why the scores were so low because it seemed like it was a satisfying movie. It kind of, and he's been doing it for so long, he knew the vibe in the theater People were liking it, and they wanted to like it, but there was something that was stopping them from liking it. And it was the ending. So if you guys remember, there's the, um, the guy and the girl are coming out of the house, and they're fighting. And they're in that car, and he's trying to escape, and she's trying to keep him there. And they're literally like fighting, like fist fighting. Yeah, being dragged down the driveway. On right, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we ha- see these red and blue lights flashing on them. Mm-hmm. We turn around, and in the, in the, move, the version that everybody knows, it's the TSA guy. His friend, his buddy, his right? friend has come to save the day. Yeah, right. However, in the original version, it was the cop, the white cracker cop, stopped them on the way up because he was driving. A black guy was driving the car. Okay, I and that. she says, "He killed my family. He killed my dad. You got it? Oh my god!" And she's, you know, she's a little bloody from the whole thing, and he is well, and he's a, he's a violent, crazy guy. And the last scene in the movie was <clears throat> that the TSA's TSA buddy came to the hospital, to the, not the hospital, to the penitentiary, and said, "What the fuck happened?" And he said, well, yeah, the white man got me. The man got me. And uh, and the audience, even whites and blacks, everybody did not like that he didn't win. In some way, didn't get out of it in a way that was mm-hmm. satisfactory It's to too them. real. Yeah, well, it's too real in a way, <laughs> it's yes. too real, man. <laughs> yeah. As so happens far I mean, too often. <laughs> in, the, in this version that we know, he triumphed. By the way, so we go back into the theater. They reshoot. Jordan Peele, to his credit, um, is one of those guys who's like, oh, okay. And he went off and wrote a new ending. So you sussed out the problem and said, hey, Jordan, this is the problem. Right. He loses in the end. And then he came up with a solution? Yes. Yeah, we never come up with a solution. What we're doing is always telling the filmmakers what the audience are saying. We don't put our opinion in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. It doesn't mean anything. Our opinion doesn't mean anything. And a lot of times, you know, filmmakers pull me aside and say, so what did you think? And I say, I I really can't say. It's like, no, no, what did you think? I said, well, first of all, you know, I'm I'm 60. And I'm, I'm not your demographic, so I'm not going to like this movie out of, the, out of the gate. So don't ask me, <laughs> yeah. you know? But you got to satisfy those people in their 30s who really would like this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. So you told him, hey, the audience loved the movie, but they hated the ending. Yes. And
0: he's like, oh, okay,
2: great. Well, I thought that ending would work. Now by the figure- way, it's a little more complex than that because a full report gets written. All the statistical analysis in the, is in the report. Okay. And, and then, they, well, of course, they do the focus group in front of the filmmakers and they, get, they, they hear it right away. They hear from the audience like the ending sucks. We don't like it. Hmm. So um, that's what happens. You know, it's not just we tell them. It's the audience is really telling them. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: You. I. I mean, I could pick this apart, but
2: I'm tickled. I'm tickled
0: at this process. <laughs> like, like it's it's so. I understand both sides of it. I'm an Artur. This is like, I, I decide, right? But then the, the further along I get, I'm like, I have to make sure my audience is cared for because what the hell else am I doing this for? Right. And if I'm not doing it for them, then why am I putting this out into the world? Well, that's well, something
1: that we're taught to include in the script, right? What are the moments that you're giving the audience? How do you want the audience to feel? feel.
0: Yeah. Right. And we had a conversation a year ago, and I was like, I'm rethinking about directing, right? If you're directing a film, what are you actually directing? On a certain level, you're directing the audience's emotional experience. Yeah. And that that's, has yeah, that's to, a good way to say it that yeah. has to be early on in your pro and for me at least in my writing process and my conception of a story i'm like what am i taking what do i want the audience to feel here and how do i complicate that and then how do i surprise them so i'm literally directing both the images and the actors and the camera but i'm also directing the audience to cry here or to laugh here right mm-hmm. and without that piece of the puzzle i, I think you're you're missing some things and you're saying the process by which testing happens after the film is made is kind of, it's not even like a polish. It's kind of like baking the thing and ensuring that there's no yeah. missed ingredients based yeah. on the feedback of who's, who's going to consume it. Right. I'm like so excited about this. Yes.
1: We need to find a way to... To do this process in the script stage?
0: There is a process. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reveal the entire thing, but I worked with a screenwriting guru and he actually has this process. It's just a little bit trickier, I think, because asking people to read screenplays in this town is a difficult... Is, is, yeah, like Stevens nodding, nodding, Leah's well, like, laughing. you know what?
2: Well, like, here's the thing. I, I'm a slow reader. Yeah. I've always been a slow reader. And it's, and I, over the years, I think it would get better as I read more and more. It just doesn't. I'm a slow reader. I comprehend yeah. at a certain rate. Sure, yeah. yeah. So it takes me a while to read a screenplay, make notes at the same time. So mm-hmm. by the time the whole thing... And then do a write-up on it or something... Mm -hmm. I'm four hours in on something like that. It's a half a day's worth of work. And it's also like, you're not like walking through a beautiful home saying,
0: oh, this home is so beautiful. I can see, oh, maybe the ceilings are a little low. You're like reading a blueprint. You're reading an architectural like document. So then to decipher that at a high level and to give notes and feedback on that at a high level Mm -hmm. isn't the most enjoyable thing for most scripts, because I think most scripts aren't enjoyable. (laughs) Which is part of the problem when you're like, hey, will you read my script and give me feedback? It's like how many times have someone asked you that and you've gotten a script that you're like, oh God, ten pages in. I gotta finish this thing because it's not an yeah. enjoyable experience. Yeah. So it's a tedious tentative process to be it's like. It's also hey,
2: not it's not a written art form. Yeah. It's a filmed art form. It's a it's pictures, it's not words. Yeah. Right? Well, it's words and dialogue and stuff. But mm-hmm. so you know, we're already kind of one step away from what the thing is. So we have to get through this process of reading something and yeah. creating it on a page before it goes to yeah. a camera. It's a much less enjoyable
0: process to have 300 people read your screenplay than have 300 people sit and watch a movie. Yeah. You know? Right. It's like, do you want to eat all the ingredients one by one? Or do you want to like eat the dessert and fancy meal?
1: Always the dessert.
0: But there, that there i is. is, I've, I've heard of a process... That you script test, and it is actually not dissimilar to what you've described. It's just you got to find the people willing to do it for you. And that's where the power of your network comes in. Right. We've talked about this. You just don't
2: remember. And right. you're getting 6, 8, 10, 15, 20 people to read it? If you can, yes. Right.
0: But, um But the, the trick is to remove the writer from the feedback process. Just like you, you're, not, you're a proxy for the filmmaker, right? That's correct. The filmmaker isn't in there saying, hey, what did you think of my film? Right. Which then can intimidate an audience member to be like, well, I, I loved your film. You are a third party who has no bias or opinion about it. You're like, right. hey, I just want to know what you think about that other person's film. I don't right. think anything. So you can be honest with me. You can be free. Please speak freely. This is a, this is a necessary part of the process.
2: Yeah, also by extension, too. I mean, we've had, I did a, um, the very first Creed movie. Okay. And so I'm with Stallone. My boss is doing the focus group. And he, he's dissatisfied with what he's getting from the focus group. And he says, should I go down there? And I said... Stallone is or your boss Stallone it? says, should I go down? And, and I said, uh, if you want, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you what to do. And, and he turned to another producer. And he said, should I go down there? And the guy's like, no, no, so I don't go down there. And, said, and he looks at me again. And he says, hey, like, should I? I said, if you want, go, go for it. He goes down to the front of this focus group. And the, the group just goes wild. I mean, they're just insane. And by the way, you know, this is a man in his 70s now, mm-hmm. you know? He was not that time, maybe late 60s, early 70s. And he is so beloved. It's incredible. They're like, please keep making movies. Don't stop. We really love you, you know? You know? And of course, this whole kind of wave of the Creed thing was such an amazing thing uh, to ex- be, extend the Rocky story without being another Rocky in a right. fight, yeah. you know? Yeah, And And... Um, it's kind of a brilliant thing. I think Ryan Cooler actually pitched that to Stallone. Mm.
1: Uh,
2: he was the one who okay. who pitched that idea of you know of Creed having an illegitimate kid and you know yeah. So anyway, they what like so gets up there. What happens though when the group is uh, that they just love him so much? He's not getting honest answers from them. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's the rub. Yeah, you, you need the honest
0: answers. Yeah. You need a you need a proxy, which is why so the we, we hide
2: filmmakers. We hide well-known filmmakers. We hide them. We don't bring them to the theater with the audience, where the audience can see the lights go down. We bring them in afterwards, and so movie stars do that as well. Movie stars who have produced movies. You can, it completely affects the results of the test if you don't if you have someone there that's well-known and the audience loves yeah. or hates or whatever. It's just you know,
1: what is the name of your company? It's
2: called Screen Engine, ASI, and. Um, and by the way, we do a form of script testing oh, that yeah. we just started to do. Oh, cool. And, um, you know, for years, there have been dial tests. You know what that is? No, what's a dial-, dial test. Television has always done these dial tests. Basically, it's an electronic dial that you're sitting in an audience and you turn it when you like something to the right. And if you don't like it, you turn it back to the left. And so you're doing that constantly throughout watching the television show. Hmm. And then what happens is it's reading this thing and it's kind of like an EKG of the movie comes up. So you get to see all these highs and lows and we see this kind of squiggly line, like an EKG line, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there's highs, highs, and low lows. Now, of course, you want high highs and lows, lows, low lows in a movie. That, to a certain extent, stories go to high points and low points, right? So there's that, but there's also like not liking. So what happens is, we look at that graph at the end then we go and do the focus group and we say, okay, at this point, so-and-so did this, this, and this. Why, was, why did you guys turn your dial down so much? I just couldn't stand that character. I hated that character. Not that, not that it was something to do with the story. So it could be any number of things, right? And by the time... Now in television, you could be replaced, right? And this is this whole thing that all actors go, well, the testing audience didn't really like you so we have to we have to fire you and bring in somebody else you know and having been an actor that's a tough tough thing to hear yeah, I mean yeah. you know you, it, to, just to get that job is a crazy amount of work and preparation just to, just, to, just to be an actor and to not
0: give up yes is a feat of endurance and, yeah. and strength that, yep yeah so then to hear that from a testing audience must be equally devastating mm-hmm. wow this yeah. is amazing
2: what do you, what do you got
1: well, well what's the script version of what <clears throat> you're doing
2: so we use that dials with the dials, and we put an audience. <coughs> excuse me, of an audience about forty-eight people. There's um in this little theater we have in the valley, and um, and we give them a dial, and the script is read by actors, and they're doing the dial test as if it's um a movie. No way! So you've got like a live staged reading of a screenplay, right? With people. With the EKG thing going, like at the end of it, there's this EKG, like just as if it's a movie, right? So I had a filmmaker, um, great filmmakers, terrific guys. Um, we actually did a beta test of this product and we gave him this test. And, um, and so this movie is about a kid who's schizophrenic. And he was um, um, had a lot of trouble, but he got to, on this medication. You guys remember the old film Charlie? Remember that movie Charlie? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, so the book was Flowers for Algernon. Became yeah. Charlie. It Was Cliff Robertson played Charlie? It was very similar to what happened because this guy had this schizophrenia in this movie and got this medication. And suddenly he was normal, mm-hmm. and he went to a regular high school. He got a girlfriend, and you know got really involved with her, and then the medication started to wear off, or something tricky happened, and he started to do backsliding. Right, so. Meanwhile, his mother is married to a new guy. He's fifteen or sixteen years old, but she's married to a new guy, and she's young enough to have kids with him. And they want to have a baby, and she gets pregnant during the course of the movie. And the last scene of the movie is his his mother trusting him enough to hold the baby. Audience hated it. This is now. This is not a movie now. This is in script form. Okay. So, um, I did the focus group. I said, "Well, what would you prefer?" And they came up with this. Also, he was a chef. So he wanted to work in restaurants, he wanted to cook. And that's how he kind of landed his girlfriend. He started cooking for her and she, of, mm. course, of course, fell for him. So um, anyway, uh, they said, we wanna see him in a restaurant with knives, doing his deal, and being a chef. And folks group ended. Filmmaker's come said, oh my God. Oh, you just saved us so much money. Well, I, didn't. I mean, our company, right? Saved you so much money. I would have, we would have had to reshoot that scene because mm-hmm. they would have hated it. And now we don't have to do it. This and that is... scene ended up as the, fu- the, the one that the audience picked ended up as the final scene of the movie. And it was very satisfying.
1: Incredible. Yeah. How do you find the scripts or do they approach you?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a fairly new product. So we're kind of approaching people and they don't even know what it is, yeah. you know. And of course, everybody's a little bit tre- trepidatious, you know, to mm-hmm. put their stuff out there. In front of a live audience, mm-hmm. um, so people will come to us, and basically, it's our clients who make movies. We go, let's back time this a few steps, and let's just let's work on the script first with an audience, mm-hmm. and then you'll get some real intel about what's working and what's not. Now, conversely, I mean, there was one project we did, I won't say the name of, it, but it was, um, you know, they were having a lot of arguments across the development table, and they we just they decided to test it with us. And um, This is at the script phase. The script phase. Okay. And um, the writer was a terrific gal, and it was a fun movie. But um, the audience didn't like it at all. They really uh. did not like it. So what ended up happening, unfortunately, was the whole thing fell apart. Now, we're not in the business to make movies fall apart. We're in the business to make movies, quality movies, right? Help people make quality movies. <clears throat> and, but
0: but the script testing process in this instance helped precipitate it falling apart. Yes. Even though there was problems prior right okay so but this like hastened it yes okay
2: yeah right and also they didn't spend you know 10 million dollars on this movie and find out later on that it didn't really work that well yeah and then you know you're also good money chasing bad after a while because sometimes you know you get into making a movie and it's like okay we got to do reshoots then we go again it's like oh we got to do reshoots again and because my boss kevin gets i'll say his name again has been doing this for such a a long time and i've been doing it for a while now too is that we can actually tell that there's a problem that they can't solve in reshoots, right? And that problem may be that, that, that just like the lead actor is not, they don't like him. And you can't solve that in reshoots because, you know, you've put this actor on it who you've paid millions of dollars to, to be in this movie and they're popular, but this particular role, they're not just, not that right in. This happens quite a bit with comedians who make the transition to dramatic stuff. A lot of them do it very well. Yeah. But I've been involved in things where, you know, comedians come in and been in a horror movie and it's just like people hate them, hate yeah. them. And the whole thing, you know, doesn't make any money because it's...
1: <clears throat> well, what happened with the woman's script that bombed? Say again? What happened with the woman's script that didn't do so well with the audience testing? Did they rewrite it or did they just give up?
2: No, they just, they basically, they develop, the people that, the the company that was doing it, basically, you know couple days after the the reading said, you know, I don't think we're going to pursue this. It just doesn't quite work for us. Wow. Yeah. It was a movie about people who decided to become swingers.
1: Okay.
2: uh, In their 40s because they were a little bored with their lives. And boy, people didn't like that. It just became, Hmm. uh, it's a cool concept and it could be a lot of fun and a lot of hijinks with sexual hijinks and stuff like that. But it just, it it had a quality to it that was too, um, well, people reject swinging, right? They just reject it. It's
0: not a, it's in America, you know, in in, in this climate, it's (laughs) not. (laughs) No,
2: it's not common.
1: Yeah, I mean, because it goes against the traditional American dream, which is have a family, have kids, Mm -hmm. school, work, not have a family and have fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
0: maybe maybe you need to revive it have a family and
2: Alia fun. said with a twinkle in her eye <laughs> yeah that's, and that's the
1: title of the script it'll be really big in Germany family and fun <laughs> family and fun um, do you have more questions about the audience testing
0: I have so many questions but I know you've got stuff prepared so I by do. all means fire away are you sure okay yeah.
1: so you're producing stuff people are pitching to you I know we had uh, a lunch one of the right. I think the first time that we met yes what makes a good pitch, in your objective opinion?
2: You know, from all the experience with testing and then hearing pitches, the biggest thing is the premise. Yeah. I mean, a premise that's really you can encapsulize in a couple of sentences. Remember that movie, Indecent Proposal? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, years ago, my wife actually auditioned for that movie, and I so I she got the script or something and we so we were aware of what the premise was would you let someone sleep with your wife for a million dollars yeah and you're struggling you're financially struggling as a couple yeah but not even take that out of it for a second right because what happened was when people heard about that premise and the advertising and stuff even before it was made people were talking about it because anybody who came in contact with like oh my god would you let that happen would you, and then you start having all these considerations. Well, I could buy that house I've always wanted, but I'm compromising my, you know, so you're, deba- and so people, when the movie came out, they're around the water cooler talking about would you, wouldn't you? And, the, mm-hmm. you know, when the guy from accounting is going, of course I would. Of course she would, I, she'd do her duty, she'd do it. And, and the other guy's going, oh, no, I would never do that to my wife. So it became this big debate, right? So it was a really compelling premise. Yeah. And um, so right, right away, people wanted to see it even before it was made. So, that's kind of what you have to do you have to give us give us something that's that's so compelling that people want to see it even before you've written a script let's say
1: i love this because it's like it presents a question that you can ask yourself and you can ask other people that gets you talking and it's a very pointed of the world question
0: yeah it's it's a universal quandary for everybody
1: yeah i mean of the world in the script
2: so wait say that again yeah i'm not quite sure what you mean
1: Oh, because the whole premise of the film is, would you let your wife do this? So that Mm -hmm. is the question of the world that has to be answered, and all the 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 moral dynamics that go along with it. Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's
2: the like core of that particular story. Right. And actually, I mean, what's happening around the water cooler is people are imagining how it shakes out. Mm -hmm. Right. So then they're gonna, how we're gonna go to the theater now and see how they how it shook out. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, that's great because then you can start a log line with, well, what would you do?
2: That's a great way to start a log line. What yeah. would you do if? if, right? Are you taking we, notes? We just one notes. Of the log yeah. lines <laughs> for um. What's the thing with Bradley Cooper? Um, unstoppable Un was it limitless? Mm, limitless? Limitless.
1: I was yeah. going to say limitless. immeasurable. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, um, and the the question was, what if you could take a pill that would make you smarter? Yeah. Yeah. It's like who wouldn't want to be smarter?
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes back to like high concept, right? Right. High concepts or like a compelling, easy to grasp premise. Right.
2: Which you're saying is like... It's easy to grasp in a pitch meeting. Mm -hmm. It's easy to grasp in a script. It's easy to grasp in a theater. It's easy to grasp in advertising, which is Mm -hmm. really what you want. It's easy to grab in, to grasp when somebody, you know, the log line says, would you let somebody sleep with your wife for a million dollars on the poster of the movie? Right. And it's just like so compelling. Yeah. So it has to be, it's compelling to the audience at that stage. It has to be compelling to the guy sitting in the development chair.
1: There's that word again, compelling. Compelling, yeah. 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 I, w- I would love to have been in the pitch meeting for Indecent Proposal because I imagine it started with that question. And you can go around the room like Mercedes said, she starts her pitches with mm, a question. Yeah, yeah. You go around the room and you can ask and be like, well, you all answered this but this is what happens in the movie because the instant that you get people talking about your script is the instant that you have them.
0: It also is like, how do you find story ideas is a question. You said in, in a prior episode, mm-hmm. you know, have you been watching anything on TV that has inspired your writing? And I said, no. And then I contradicted myself. I was like, actually, you know, one of my, the, the novel I'm working on is like, what happens if you have this combined with this? Right? like, yeah. like How do you mix these two things? And I, I gave the generic example of like married with children, except they're on a boat, which is not a great example.
2: But if you were to say, all right, well. Well, no, I mean, that's a pretty good example. I mean, married with children who are at each other's throats all the time, right? Yeah. Now they're in a contained space in the, in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, there's no escape. So there's no escape. That's, yeah. ca- that's kind of cool. Steven
1: now. just wrote the next thriller film. He's <laughs> going to yeah. produce. Thriller premise on a
2: planet. <laughs> that is not an indication.
0: But what you're saying is, like, you know, this question is like, how do you conceive stories, right? How do you conceive stories that are fit for the screen? Because there, right. there are certain criteria that you need to meet, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't write a movie script the same way you can write a novel. There's, there's different yeah. requirements, I think, although some people would say storytelling is storytelling through and through. What is the, the, the nugget, the core? What is the high concept question? Like, would you allow your spouse to sleep with someone else for a million dollars? That's a high concept, right? Right.
2: It's right. not going to work for every movie. And then basing a story around that. And yeah. you're right.
0: It's not going to work for every movie. But for Indecent Proposal was you know the, the
2: biggest movie of, of that year probably. by far. Yeah. Yeah. I don't recall. But yeah, probably.
1: So let me ask you, where do you find stuff to produce? So John Zalzerni said he's reading The Blacklist. He finds people Coverfly. Coverfly or roadmap writers.
2: Recommendations from friends, et cetera. How about you? Well, when you you know you have a dev- you have a company and you're in development, people will approach you, right? Mm-hmm. But I'll give you an example of something that happened to me recently because I'm 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 with my former company, but I'm also out on my own. So, somebody, a writer from Great Britain, got my email and emailed me. Now, I don't take unsolicited material, so you know, because you could potentially be sued, right? So this guy contacted me. I said I have this idea, and you know, he gave me a little outline of it. I said, I you gotta, if you have an agent, let them make them send it to me. A couple of days later, I got a, and because it's Great Britain, a couple of days later, it probably would have been, you know, hours later, yeah. I got uh, the submission from his agent. I read it. I don't like it all that much. Mm-hmm. And I say, this is not something for me. But since he's taken the time, the guy found my email. I don't know how he did it, but he did, right? So I'm like, this guy's got a little tenacity. Let's give him a little bit more credit than just wow. no to this particular premise, Right. So I said what else do you have? I'm looking for the stuff I'm doing right now is very small scale and he was pitching me big movies, you know. And you know to to for me at this stage of my career to make a 70 million dollar or 100 million dollar movie, it's that's not going to happen with me. You're better off trying to go to somebody else than me. Yeah. And I'm honest about that cuz I don't want to take a premise that I can't can't get made, right? And hold it up for somebody for years and years and years. So basically I said, I'm looking for one location things but justified one location because this, this idea of one location movies, you see these movies a lot where it's, there's a, a house that's haunted and this young couple moves from the city to the country, buys this house, and they're mortgaged up to the gills. So now they get in that house, and this weird shit starts to happen, but they're not leaving because their mortgage is so high and because they can't afford to live anyplace else. And that's just not a good excuse for me, as a viewer, to be watching this and going, oh, well, they're staying because of the money. It just doesn't make sense when suddenly, <laughs> like, somebody's coming at you with a knife, for Christ's sake. Yeah. So, um, so that, so it justified one location. Sure. So, a couple of days later, he sends me 10 one-liners for one-location movies. And one of them was in space in a particular kind of spaceship, Mm -hmm. very contained. Uh, Heavy special effects, but very contained. So I said, yeah, let's try to develop this. And I said, now, I'm a development guy that doesn't have, I don't have my own fund now in this particular, nor do I have it in my other company, but I don't have my own fund, so I'm not paying for scripts, I'm not paying for treatments or anything like that. So if you want to do a one page on it, and I'll take it and... We'll cut a little deal. I'll just do a right to shop agreement on it. And I'll kind of put it in my arsenal of stuff that when I'm going around town and talking to people, I'll say, hey, I've got this one location thriller in space. And it's this, this, and this. And so now I've got that in my, he hasn't written it yet, but I will have that in my my kind of pitch materials, right? When I'm looking at, and here's the thing. I mean, part of it for me is looking for a variety of stuff and being able to fill needs that people have like a friend of mine recently said, I, you got to bring me some faith movies, anything faith. Now, it's not some, a genre that I've really worked in or have paid that much attention to, but now I'm starting to look at faith stuff. I've been asking people about faith movies, and, and I was about to say it's kind of low-hanging fruit, but there's no long, there's no such thing as low-hanging fruit in the movie business. You know, everything. We, I've made Lifetime movies. People consider that low-hanging fruit. It's not. It's highly competitive, and it's highly competitive because it's a way that people get in, and so mm. everybody and their brother wants to write a lifetime movie, and not many people really know how to do it. They watch them, they see a lot of them, but they don't really know how to. They don't really get it.
1: Yeah, mm. I pitched. I pitched for a lifetime movie once, and yeah, uh, yeah, I wrote the script. Um, you wrote the script. I wrote the script. I pitched it to a producer. She was asking for it. She liked the concept. She read the script. She was like, "No." I was like, "Okay."
0: You got to script test it next time.
1: I yeah, I had to script <laughs> test it. But it, I mean, I took that script to Katrina Mercedes, and we pushed it up into something else, and hopefully, they get to they get to make it.
0: So, this person found you, but that doesn't answer how you're finding other projects.
2: Though. Yeah, I mean, it's, you did the opposite. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, you're, you're just, just a magnet go- at this point. Because well, here's you've the thing, got- I you know, in our company where we've produced the four movies, we have we haven't really. Um, ever, ever um, pursued agents. Like, we haven't called agents and said, give me what you have in this genre. Mm-hmm. Send over some premises. Because when you start to get involved with agents, it becomes a very different thing. Now, God bless agents and writers and how, you know making money and all that stuff. It's great. But at my stage or where I am right now with going out on my own, I'm not paying for stuff. I'm just not. So, um, So I'm not putting myself out there in terms of like, I need this, this, and this from agents because... There's an expectation that, okay, and, and rightfully so, you know. It's so much money for the treatment, and there's so much money for the first draft, and the second draft. So, yeah. and, you know, it's, it becomes, the money starts to pile up. And even, and we're not talking about big dollars here. We're talking about, like, at the end of the entire process, maybe it's 50 grand. Yeah. But it's not 50 grand I want to spend on something I don't really know Yeah. what's going to happen with.
1: So you're taking a script from, or you're taking ideas, you're taking uh, one page. And you're going around as a producer and a distributor in order to find money to get it made.
2: Distributor?
1: Did you say distribution, or did no. you just say producing? Okay. Did sorry. I say distribution? I'm, no, I don't think I, did. I didn't hear distribution. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. So you're taking the script out as a producer, trying to find funding to get it made.
2: Copy. Right, but it's you know, I it's not really that's not really quite what I do. I mean, it's more like I'm I have this six or eight things that I have a material right. And I'm looking to plug it in places and I'm looking to plug it in with what people need rather than like trying to raise money on my own and make a movie. I'm going to tell you a story. <clears throat> Good. I'm not going to uh, I, I? I'm not gonna say the name of this movie. Even but, better. What's that? Even better. Yeah, the audience loves a mystery. So this thing was billed as the unofficial signal to Braveheart. Okay. So I'm in the office and they say, you're going to go do this test tonight on this... Film that's an unofficial sequel to Braveheart. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Everybody loves Braveheart, right? Yeah. So I get there. I meet the financier. Boy, I'm I may be in Dyson territory, and he tells me how much money he spent on this movie. And I'm like, <gasps> like I, I, I almost, I, I almost, you know.
1: You gasped out loud.
2: <laughs> no, I, I almost did though. It felt <laughs> like you know. And um, and so, uh, run the movie. And and it's just it just scores in the dumps. It's just terrible. And um they don't have enough money to do the action. Here's the other thing. There's a there's a a thing that we really work on a lot in audience testing is like expectation and result. So sometimes like I did the screening of Anchorman 2, right? So I got up and they didn't audience sometimes the audience comes in blind, and they don't know what they're seeing. So um I uh I said, "You're going to see a very special movie tonight. We've been waiting a long time for this. It's Anchorman 2." The audience went wild.
1: I was in the audience. Were you really? You were yes, in the audience I was. No. in Woodland Hills? Yes.
2: Oh my god, that's funny. It Was me? You saw me? I think me? it was
1: you. the The audience's reaction was like at a 10 almost the whole time. Oh my god. Like, Go ahead. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, and it was they yeah. did not stop laughing. Yeah. So, wow. Small world. But one of the questions I asked in the focus group is, "Okay, so I say Anchorman 2 at the beginning of the movie. That's there's a huge expectation attached to that. Sure. Was the result?" Satisfying was it? Was it below exceeded, your expectations, yeah. above your expectations, or in line with your expectations? And that movie actually exceeded people's expectations.
1: They were laughing so hard, I oh, missed. Oh my jokes. god!
2: It was such a thrill to be in it that. It was theater. a
1: riot. I was there. I was totally there.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I was not. I feel left out.
1: I, I lived in Woodland Hills area
0: at the time. Yeah. So I took it.
2: Yeah. I took a side. Yeah, farther. you started started
0: talking about this, the unofficial sequel to a movie.
2: Oh yeah. So I mean. And this guy, cost this guy a that the financer, was a mortgage broker who wanted to get in the movie business. Mm-hmm. And they, he found these guys, or they found him, and um, he spent a ton of money on something that is not even going to make... I saw it years later on Netflix, and Netflix did not pay them any, any money for this movie. Certainly not oh. anywhere near what was spent on it. They should have script tested with you. They should have. Yep. Yeah.
0: Were there any surprises... Have you ever seen? Have you ever tested a movie, and either the filmmaker doesn't fix the parts that the audience is saying should be fixed, and then it comes out, and then you're like, "Well, well, that audience was wrong. This movie is great or beloved." Or you've seen something that, like, the audience is like, "Fix it!" The filmmaker did it, and then it and then it didn't work. Have there any been been any surprises, basically? And that's actually where we're gonna call it for this week's episode. If you're enjoying our chat with Stephen and you want to hear his answer to my question, does audience testing ever not work, make sure to check out next week's episode where we go even further down the rabbit hole on all things audience testing. On behalf of myself, Leah, and Stephen Horniak, thanks for listening. Cheers from Hollywood. If you're on the fence about subscribing, know that a portion of all subscription fees go toward the nonprofit Young Storytellers, raising voices one story at a time.